Thursday, July 9th in my world. We have a quote from Julie F. this morning. We're our own worst critics, by far. When we make amends, we often forget the person we really harmed over and over again. Ourselves. Many of us mercilessly (laughs) beat ourselves up. We are relentless with self-criticism. When it comes to ourselves, we are totally unforgiving. The 12 steps remind us to take inventory and make amends to those we have harmed. This includes family, friends, fellow employees, and also ourselves. Now we realize we need to be gentler on ourselves. We need to be less critical. We are working a recovery program now and things are getting better. We can lighten up. Mentally beating ourselves up creates a spirit a spiral of self-criticism and self-blame, and we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We can learn to recognize self-criticism and replace it with self-love. Yeah, good line, right? We can replace pessimism with optimism with an, oh, I said that all wrong. We can replace pessimism with an optimistic new appreciation for our unique selves. We find we deserve it. Today, let me be a best friend to myself. Have you guys done this exercise? Have you tried to make amends with other people? Did you lose sight of making amends with yourself and forgiving yourself? All that same nonsense of of resentment and negativity that fills our bucket that comes when we hate, hang on to anger and hate and unforgiveness to other people, it fills our bucket when it's with us too, if we don't forgive ourselves. And I'd have to say that this is probably one of the biggest barriers to someone getting into, for lack of a better word, full recovery mode. If you're not forgiving yourself, you can't get past the guilt and shame And if you can't get past the guilt and shame, you know, your butt gets still filled with all that shit. And even if you're being abstinent, you don't have room for the positive and you you can't see the joy and the happiness and the beauty that life has to offer. And you can't put that in your bucket because it's still hanging on to the forgiveness or the, the, um, the things that you're not letting go and letting yourself off the hook for. Here's the deal. You can't turn back the clock. Like, none of us are that powerful or amazing. We can only go forward. So if you go forward, we'll go back to the suitcase. I'm really loving the suitcase. But if we go forward trying to lug around that suitcase with all the shit that we don't forgive ourselves for, it's slowing us down. You don't get to emerge as your new recovery self where the sky is the limit. Like you can do anything in recovery. 
we can't always do everything in our addiction. We can barely do anything in our addiction because our addiction is ruling our life. So let's talk a little bit about a couple ways to do this. The reading suggests, and, and you know I love this application, treat ourselves like we would treat someone else. So if you would forgive someone else that was important to you, that you love, that you cared about, then for the same kind of stuff, you need to forgive yourself. You need to treat yourself like you would treat another person. We talk about that all the time. And it is so hard. It, it It's hard in the beginning. And it takes practice most days. It still takes practice for me every day. I find myself with with 45 years of bad habits or, you know, if we counted only adulthood, 30 years of bad habits. You know, if I do something that doesn't align with what I want it to be or that isn't positive or that isn't moving the needle, I find myself going, oh, you dumbass or all these simple little not positive voices in my head. And I have to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not supposed to do that, Bobby. That's not good for you. (laughs) It's not good for you. It's not what you believe in. And it does get easier over time. But like I said, it does take practice. And what if we were to give the addiction a personality, and this is the way we learn to do it at the center, we almost like blame the addiction. So if we're getting ready to relapse and we don't even know it, we refer to it as the addiction is doing push-ups, you know, that it's getting stronger and building up and getting ready to bring us back to the bet. So using that same kind of framework, the addiction doesn't want you to talk nice to yourself. It doesn't want you to be kind. It wants you to stay stuck. It wants you to be in the shit. Because if you're in the shit, the addiction wins. You go back to betting to deal with being in the shit. You see how that cycle goes on and on? If we hang on to those voices and we listen to them, a lot of times they end up winning. And we may bury it down, but it it, it catches up. I've talked to you about having two years of, over two years of clean time, my first time putting a really good, honest effort and it being based on fear and never handling the things I didn't forgive myself for, whether I was drowning them in alcohol during that time or just not acknowledging them, whatever, it still led me back to the bet. And I'm not baffled anymore by the people who have X amount of clean time, Long's amount of clean time, going back out because they may be doing everything they're being told to do, everything they think is right, but if they don't heal the wounds or the hurt or the whatever it is that on a level deeper than I'll ever comprehend, if, if that stuff isn't managed, addressed, forgiven, then you run the risk of it bubbling up again, whatever those triggers look like. And, and maybe they're not even obvious ones because we don't really talk about that. I mean, maybe if you're in therapy 
and you're lucky enough to have a therapist that understands addiction, maybe you get there. But the chances of that are pretty slim. And and I'm guessing it's because most of us, I know I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have spent money on a therapist when I was gambling because that was my gambling money. And I would have never equated myself deserving to spend that money on myself. That's just one example. And if you don't have someone to help you see through that, that stuff and to do some of that digging and ask those probing questions to get to what's underneath our gambling. Gambling is not, I don't believe that gambling is just a recreation and then the switch flips and it's not recreation anymore. I mean, that's the basic premise of the pickle. And I do believe in that. Like you cross that line and you can't go back, but it's not coincidence. It's not because the recreation just became so much fun. As I'm sure you know, once you cross that line, it almost isn't even fun anymore. I've told you, my car used to drive itself to the casino, or at least that was my impression. I would be trying to go to volleyball, which was legitimately fun. There was the people I loved that I was playing with. It was physical activity, so there would be endorphins. You know, we'd go out afterwards and there would be socialization. And I went in Kansas City, especially my my Friday night group that I tended to blow off to go to the casino my last year there. uh, They were it was like a singles group or a church group. It used to be a singles group and it morphed into most of the people there had uh, turned into couples. But. It was a faith-based group, and at the time, I wasn't as in touch with even being open-minded to that. I mean, there was times that if people were going through things, we had a couple actual priests, or not priests, um, pastors or ministers in the group, and, and we would pray together in the beginning of volleyball for those, you know, for people who needed prayers, and I didn't embrace that at the time you know it was it was old Bobby even during the time I wasn't gambling just because I wasn't dialed in I wasn't open-minded I you know I knew everything I've always known everything (laughs) insert sarcasm here anyway so that's one of the strategies is to teach yourself treat yourself like you're a friend or someone else that you love the other strategy is just the simple, when it comes to looking back at our past, do the serenity prayer. I mean, it's that simple. Accept the things I cannot change. You can't change the past. So accept it. Move on. There's no value to hanging on to it. If you want to remember behaviors that you don't want to exhibit again so that you don't do it again, that's fine. But Remember them. Remember them without judgment. Put them in the memory bank like, oh, I don't want to feel the way I felt when I did this. And I think that through time, it'll fade. You won't even have to hang on to that to remind you. One of the biggest transitions that I had when I was in treatment was this values exercise 
oh, it was so frustrating. I was given an envelope that had, say, a hundred different values in it. And that could be anything from humility, money, sex, friendship, family, relationships, exercise, health, wellness, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And you had to go through them. And the first round, and I can't remember exactly, but the first round, maybe you had to take it from 100 down to 30. And then you separated that 30 into three piles or whatever. And anyway, the end game was you had to get it down to your top 10 values at some point. And the first time I did it, my values were totally aligned with my addict brain and my addictude on everything. Relationships were like not in the top 10. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure money was in the top 10. Self-care things probably weren't in the top 10. You know, there was, there was just what honesty probably always was because even when I was gambling, that was the worst part I thought about gambling was being a liar. That never sat well with me. It's not who I've ever wanted to be. And um, I, yeah, I just don't like lying. I don't like being lied to. Like that's a, <laughs> it's just a deal breaker for me. My early 20s, I was dating a guy and um, come to find out he was cheating on me. But I was more upset that he lied about it than he cheated on me. So it's just always been a pain point for me. I'm not good at being lied to. And then, you know, that was the biggest struggle with this last relationship, too, was all the lies. And, and they were so credible that I believed them. Um, so I would beat myself up for that's where the, the shame and the, the guilt come in is because I'm like, how was I that naive? How was I that blind? Like, how did I not know that? And maybe I did on some level because reflecting, it's like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. But I still wanted to be frustrated with myself and angry with myself and, and all those things that are the same kind of feelings that come up for gambling. I totally digressed on the lying. I hate lying. <laughs> maybe, you know what? Maybe that is, that could actually be one of the things I truly hate with a capital H. I do not like lying in any capacity that would be why I digressed so so I would ask you today if I'm going to give you a, a little homework think about those things that you're hanging on to and try to see what value they bring to your life so say it's guilt because you took household money Okay, that's something I did with, with Davey. And you want to hang on to it. Oh, you know, that really sucks. Like, I took money. I don't deserve to have money now, or I don't deserve to have a good life. You know, I feel bad. I took money from Davey, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, 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 I harmed his children by doing that because it could have been money that he gave to them, or I harmed him, all those things. So if I look back, so let's say I didn't do any digging and I just remembered I forgot to tell you how the value thing changed when I was in treatment. So I'll get back to that in a second. I think I do that to you guys all the time. But if I didn't release that and I was still sitting here 
I mean, 2013, the divorce was final, even though we probably split up in 2012-ish. But if I was still hanging on to that, what I'm telling you is that I think I would be setting myself up for future bets. But I can't. I can't hang on to that. I have to forgive myself for that. I've made amends to Davy multiple times, but he was definitely in the first round. Um, when we did get divorced, I tried to pay him with whatever I could at the time. I cashed out my pension and um, I paid, you know, I tried to pay his phone bill. You know, there was just little things that I was trying to do to fix some of the financial damage. It, it obviously wasn't going to fix the hurt and the pain I caused him, but I did try to make up for it. But had I not done those things and was still carrying that around, it would give me an excuse to gamble. I'm just saying. And I don't know what those situations are for you. Only you know. So if think about that. If here it was seven years later, I was still thinking about that and hanging on to the feelings and beating myself up around that. What purpose would it serve every day? I can't think of one reason or one ounce of value that it would add to my life. So think about it from that context. See if there's things like that. Maybe write them down. And who knows? Maybe write them all down. I love this concept. Maybe write them all down. All the shit. All the shit you feel bad about. And and it's that stuff that when you say it out loud, your body chemistry changes. And you feel that that shame and remorse and stuff. Write it down and burn it. Throw it in a fire. Burn it up. Let it go. Do whatever. Throw it over a bridge. I, I don't know. Whatever you need to do to symbolize releasing yourself of that, that shit. You don't need that shit. And when you burn that piece of paper, you're emptying your bucket for all that good stuff that's coming. That's... That's my lecture. <laughs> and um, back to the values. So early on in, in treatment, like I said, my what my values look like, the first time I did the exercise, I think I had to do it two or three times because I don't know if the counselors just didn't like my answers or if it was part of therapy. But by the time the, I left, it had shifted. Things that were important to me were different than they were early on. And... If I was to do that same exercise today, I think that it would be a whole other top 10 of values. Honesty would still be in there for sure. But that's that's another gift of, of the process of moving forward in life, of recovery, of doing the work is it's okay to have different opinions and values than when we were fighting with that addiction monster. Like, it's totally cool. It opens doors for us. So I think probably work probably would have been one of my values then. And as my first year away from a bet this time evolved, work was not a priority to me in the sense that if, if it came down to I had to work 
till five or six o'clock at night just to humor my micromanaging boss and miss a meeting or group because of it? Hell no. I'm going to group. I need to go to group. I'm not a good enough person at work. I'm a I'm not a person I want to be. See? See those old habits sneaking in? I'm already saying I wouldn't have been a good enough person. I would have been just as good a person, but I wouldn't have been healing (laughs) and I wouldn't have been doing the work. But if I blew off meetings to work, it, it creates a foundation to continue to blow off meetings and not do the work and to not heal and... And meetings and group and my own wellness, mentally, physically, because I left work early to go to Zumba, too. You know, I left. I I set the tone at four o'clock every Wednesday. I would leave and I would make sure I had enough time to go tan and go in the sauna generally before I went to Zumba. And then I went to Zumba and we'd finish, you know, after seven, visit with the girls. All self-care activities, way more important than work. Now, I, I am a good performer at my job. I won't say excellent anymore, but I'm a, I'm a good performer. I know my stuff, and I get results. Those are two things I, I pride myself on. I don't always do them the most politically correct way or savvy way, but um, so I was in a position where I would be like, listen, and, I, and of course, the transparency and the honesty is what mattered and helped me with this. I am no good at this job or I am less good at this job. Well, I'm no good at this job if I'm gambling. And I could be gambling if I'm not taking care of myself through self-care and through group. So you got to find those those points in that balance and how your values align. And you can tell what I value by what I harp on you about. It's not that I'm trying to lecture you or that I don't think you get it the same time, the first time. It's that the repetition, wow, I really can't talk today. The repetition is what helped me and the repetition is what we need because you might listen to this and for the next half an hour go, yeah, I can forgive myself. I can feel good. And then that half an hour fades away because we've spent a lifetime not feeling good on the inside. So we have to keep talking about it, have to keep thinking about it, have to keep working on it. And we, you know, we need to move the needle through practice. And that's the only way that I know how to get there is through practice and through being aware and being able to really look in the mirror my my coach I know I'm like full of it this morning um my coach last night asked us as a group now this is a a coaching program to learn how to be a good coach so it's some it's skills that I'm working on to try to be able to help you and serve you more and he asked us you know are we self-reflecting are we taking a look at where we are and what we're working on to move our needles in the things that he's teaching us. And he brought up this point. And there are a couple other people that have had some experience with addiction in the group. Actually, you're going to meet a couple of them. Um, And then you're going to meet some of the self-care ones. So we have a nice bunch. But when he asked that question, I will tell you that I felt... I felt proud of myself because I was on that page. I do look at myself 
and try to find my strengths and and acknowledge them or be proud of them like I'm doing to you right now. I'm telling you that I'm proud of the fact that I think I do a good job of this. And then look at the things that I could be doing better or that make me don't move the needle or don't make progress and think of them as opportunities to do a better job or learning or whatever. And and the combination of those two things give me a lot of peace and a lot of direction on what I'm supposed to be doing next. Who am I supposed to be communicating with? How am I supposed to be spending my time? What am I supposed to be talking about with you? What's important? What's important when it comes to, you know, family, finances, all those things. So the self-reflection piece is is probably part one of even trying to do some of these exercises because you can't work on it if you don't know what it is. So just keep that in mind as well. Okay, I got counseling in a little while. Can't wait to uh, catch her up on all the events of this week. I have... I used to have this one counselor who, since I've been here, and she left recently, and she was amazing, and she was headstrong and a pain in the ass and honest, and it was funny because um, Brett and my friend Karen, like, if I was wrong, like, I told them both pretty much anything that came up in counseling, and I told Carla anything that came up with them, and there was times that uh, she'd basically tell me if I was wrong, like if if Brett was right or Karen was right and they agreed. So kind of became a joke about, um, you know, a little bit ganging up on Bobby. But that was another way to get some self-reflection because they were reflecting for me. And then now I have this other lady who she was a big part of my development to sharing this message because we focused on coping skills and doing that digging deep on Monday night groups. So when Carla left, I picked her to be my counselor and she just has a very soft voice and it's like almost you feel forgiven for everything you say and do just by the tone of her voice. It's very calm. She has a positive aspect on everything and and she's just she's just one of those beautiful souls and i love talking to her and i love the fact that i've had the opportunity to work with both of these women because they're helping in my development they help point out my blind spots and i need that i need that encouragement i need them to celebrate my wins with me and sometimes they celebrate my wins without me if i'm not in the right frame of mind but they also call bullshit on me. And again, that's what I need. Um, I'm not moving forward if I'm not moving. Uh, so, all right, beautiful people. This was a really long one. I hope you got some value out of it. If you did, if you got some value, if you wouldn't mind, please, uh, you know, subscribe. Follow me. We talk about stuff every day, twice a day right now. So, uh, yeah, thanks for being here. I appreciate you, and have an awesome day.